This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So the last 24 hours have been a little bit confusing in terms of parliamentary procedure. Um, James, why don't you kick us off by just explaining what's happened? Because we last left off the podcast yesterday uh, with this motion that Labour had tabled, which would promote this kind of privilege committee investigation. But then the government gave an amendment. So what happened? So Labour wanted this vote because they wanted to make every single Tory MP take a position on this question. I think one of the striking things since Boris Johnson received this fixed penalty notice is how we haven't heard from most Tory MPs. We've heard from a few Tory MPs noisily calling him for go, a few Tory MPs very aggressively defending him. But the vast bulk of Tory MPs have just tried to keep their heads down. And what Labour was saying is, right, we're going to make you all go on the record on this. Tory MPs weren't happy about this. They could see how this was going to be used against them. So there was then a kind of long negotiation about what kind of amendment the government could put down. Tory MPs didn't want to just vote against uh, referring Boris Johnson to the Privileges Committee because they knew that they would then be attacked for, for trying to cover things up. So last night, the government published this amendment and it basically said that you would wait for the Sue Gray report to be published And then there would be another vote in the Commons on whether or not to refer Boris Johnson to the Privileges Committee. And I think lots of Tory MPs were like, we can't be doing with this because we're going to go through all of this pain and be attacked for voting for this amendment and trying to delay things. And then we'll have to vote on it again once the Grey Report is out, when the situation could be worse because the Grey Report could make the kind of Prime Minister's position more, more difficult. And... So I think what became clear overnight and this morning was that a lot of Tory MPs were just simply planning to abstain. And I think as the morning went on, the whips began to get concerned that so many Tory MPs could abstain, that they could actually be in danger of of losing this vote, which is quite remarkable when you consider that the government has a majority of more than 70. And so they then decided to backtrack and say... No, it's a free vote. And we wait to see whether there is even a vote on this Labour motion or or not. And I think this tells you two things. The first is that while Tory MPs are not prepared to move against Boris Johnson at the moment, they are not prepared to take a hit for looking like they're trying to cover up for him either. And the next thing that it tells you is that you know, there's been lots of talk that, you know, that the, the Tories have sorted out the opera, the number 10 operation, the whipping operation. I think what it tells you is some of these problems are just fundamentally very, very difficult to handle when the Prime Minister has, got a, has received a fine for breaching regulations that his government introduced. And I think this is a kind of sign of how hard things are going to be. And I also think the other thing that is uh, really exhausting Tory MPs at the moment is how long this is going to go on for it. It's worth remembering that this has been rumbling for five months now. And if you then add in the fact that the Metropolitan Police have said they won't announce any more fines until after the local elections, and then the fact that you've still got the Grey Report to come after that, 
and now after that, a review by the Privileges Committee, is this is just going to go on for months and months and months. And I think Tory MPs find it really debilitating because it is obviously a very difficult thing to defend. Mm. So, Katie, now it seems like there won't be a vote at all. Is that right? The government had initially talked about whipping uh, Tory MPs in order to uh, pass that vote, but now it doesn't look like there, ha- there, has- there will be a vote because of what James has just said. Does that mean that this will definitely be referred to the Privileges Committee then? Yeah. At the moment, we expect to be nodded through, which means it will um, another problem for Boris Johnson. But I think what the debate has done, if you take if you take away that, which is, you know, the Prime Minister has said today from India that he is relaxed about this vote. Now, clearly not so relaxed in the sense that initially the plan wasn't to allow for this to this to happen and she passed on to a Commons committee. But it says, you know, he's got nothing to hide. I think the view of someone cabinet is, is pretty hard to effectively say whether someone misled something intentionally and and they're now playing down the idea of this being too worrying so I think it has the potential to be but I would almost put that one aside for now and you get to a situation which is what has the debate today showed us well I think it's just shown the level of unease about the current situation and you've had William Ragg reiterating his call for Boris Johnson to go and he had already said that earlier this year so that's not someone you're coming back into the fold, but it's also not it's not a dialing up. Where there has been a dialing up of problems for Boris Johnson is Steve Baker, who has said today that Boris Johnson uh, sh- should ultimately resign, suggesting he should have done so already. And I think this is significant for two reasons. One, in that debate on Tuesday... Uh, when Mark Harper, the chair of the COVID recovery group, who is an ally of Steve Baker, called for Boris Johnson to go, there was a moment of ner- of nervousness, I think, amongst Boris Johnson's supporters. But then when Steve Baker got up and effectively said, you know, actually, I think we need to find forgiveness for the prime minister. If he gets the tone right, or if he's really sorry, then we should find forgiveness. There was almost a, well, that's actually a very limited rebellion. If it's just Mark Harper and the fact Steve Baker's not moving you know, we'll take that. So the fact that he is now, two days later, decided mm. to call for Boris Johnson to go, means all those arguments have gone. And I think it's a sign of how some of the tactics Boris Johnson and his team think are going to get him through this have the potential to isolate other MPs. So at the meeting with the Whips on Tuesday, something we talked about in the podcast, but also I blogged on Coffee House um, after it happened, Boris Johnson gave an opening address. And I think when it was first briefed to the papers that Boris Johnson was going to address his own MPs privately after the apology, I think most people would have presumed he's going to go into that room and say, I'm really sorry, I've let you down, this is the problem. Instead, his opening remarks didn't mention parties once. He was doing what one attendee suggested was more like an election rally speech, you know, trying to G his party up, saying, um, you know, which which person do you want in charge of this? Obviously, it's Justin the Tory one, talking about all their plans for government and, and doing it that way. And well, I definitely spoke to some MPs who thought that was a good tone. I've spoken to many who did not. And you saw, for example, Roger Gale, someone who had called for Boris Johnson to go, then slightly walked back the edge by saying, now is not the time, you know, a few weeks ago, um, saying the tone was wrong. And I think that was an issue too for Steve Baker. Mm. So, so you're seeing... The handling by number 10, the sense they want to be bullish. And you see that on in Boris Johnson's comments from India about, you know, there are bigger things to focus on. You can see why they want to do it, but 
it also does create domestic problems for them. And then finally, I would just say the other reason this is bad news for Boris Johnson is because Steve Baker is an organiser in Parliament. Mm. He is seen as someone who is, who is an operator and therefore it will just add to this sense that more could follow. James, today the Met Police have also announced that they're not going to be giving out more fines until after the local elections, or at least they're not going to be announcing any more fines, even if they do give them out beforehand, citing perder rules. First of all, can you just briefly explain what perder rules are? And also, secondly, do they apply to the Met Police when it comes to these fines? So perder rules are that you shouldn't make uh, government and government bodies shouldn't make announcements that might influence the election result during the campaign period. Uh, and it's designed to kind of create a kind of level playing field between the government and the opposition. So the government can't, you know, dominate the news day after day. I think there is a kind of mild, some mild surprise that the Met think that they are, that, that this constrains what they can say. But I also think, as Katie has pointed out on Twitter, I think those people saying that this is a, a boon for Boris Johnson are, are wrong, because I think that one of the things that is containing Tory MPs at the moment is that there is a, a there is a broad desire not to rock the boat before the local elections. You know, there's a feeling that, you know, you've got Tory council candidates out there trying to, you know, win seats or keep their seats. It wouldn't be helpful to do this now. But I mean, the danger comes, you know, as, as one former cabinet minister said to me today, you know, what, you know, once you are through the local elections, you're into a new political season. And what do people say at 10pm on election night when the polls have closed about, you know, what they think about this situation. And so I think the fact that all this news is going to be delayed until after then is not good news for Boris Johnson. I also think that just talking to Tory MPs, you cannot underestimate how exhausted by this story they are. So anything that drags it out now, I think is is not good news. I think on Katie's point about Steve Baker, I think this is, as Katie says, I think this is a feeling that there's that this this flip in his position is a result of misjudging the mood on Tuesday night. But it would have been better, as Katie as Katie argued, for him to have kind of sounded more contrite. And I think that 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 is going to be a, a problem for him because I, I think Boris Johnson's natural instinct is to kind of come out swinging, that you know just meekly standing there and and, and taking it as he did in the Commons Chamber on Tuesday, is not something that comes naturally to him. And so I think that that, that is obviously going to be one of the big challenges for him in the coming weeks and months, is trying to strike the right tone, when his instinct is always to try and kind of, to, to, to always to try and kind of get onto the front foot. And Casey, just finally, Boris Johnson is away in India today, as is Rishi Sunak in America. Do you think that creates its own dynamics in the sense that, uh, that the adults are not in the room and the MPs can just talk, say whatever they like to each other while they're away? Yeah, I mean, I think the India trip is interesting because I think the Prime Minister effectively got himself into a position where it was lose-lose. Because Number 10 had announced and organised this trip to India to cancel it, uh, which was uh, mooted as Steve Swin from The Times I think mentioned on Tuesday would have been problematic for the reason that I think it would have added to the sense that Partygate is hindering to the point he can't get on with government business, he can't go on with doing things, and it would be a very visible example of how Partygate has weakened the Prime Minister and lead to questions about whether he can actually do his job while this is going on. So that's why you wouldn't cancel it. <laughs> but then by not cancelling the trip, you have a situation where I think lots of Tory MPs are on the brink. Mm feel 
they are more likely to tip the wrong way for Boris Johnson because there is this sense that I think it's reflected in the whipping decision where they were worried about a repeat of the Owen Patterson rather they were told to vote to spare one of their colleagues suspension uh, quite painful vote the opposition you know uh, was quick to weaponize putting it on record only for number 10 to u-turn on the whole thing mm-hmm. and they only marched up the hill to, to go to something like this again but I think this idea too of being in that chamber, being forced to vote for something that you think might come back to haunt you, particularly when you don't know the the full conclusion of the police investigation, while the Prime Minister is not even there. Mm-hmm. The Prime Minister is in India talking about lots of things he wants to talk about and the opposition slinging, you know, attacks on the whole party, I think has been a tipping point for some. So I think Boris Johnson not being here has probably worsened the situation to a degree. I think but though by the time they announced that he was going to India it was pretty hard to find a way that they were going to be able to solve this. Katie and James, thanks very much. And thanks very much for listening. Now, The Spectator has, uh, as listeners might know, an annual competition called the Innovator of the Year Awards. This year we're being sponsored by the company Investec. uh, And we're looking for applications. So if you are an entrepreneur in the country, you think you've got an innovative company idea, it could be a startup, it could be a few years during the running, then do apply at spectator.co.uk forward slash innovator for a chance to win our Innovator of the Year Award. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.